right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You listen to myself, Albert. And as always, I am joined by my brother Barney. How you doing, Barney? How's things? Yeah, good. Good to be back. How it feels like it's been another long break. We've had a few of those now, yeah. haven't we? Where the, yeah. the international break is followed by the cup games, um, which I think neither of us are knowledgeable enough <laughs> to go into the, <laughs> some of the early rounds. I don't think we could keep up with that, some of those teams from the lower, lower divisions. Um, so it's nice to be back this week talking about a great weekend of football because yeah, it was a it was a good weekend. Yeah. Um, congratulations are in order because obviously you had your birthday on on Monday. Uh, Thirty two years old in footballing terms, you know, experienced head uh, leader in the dressing room. <laughs> perhaps you know, perhaps losing some mobility in the knees, but you know, other than that, still going strong. That was that was always the thing, isn't it? Like, I think I'm like. I'm older than Jack Wilshire. Is that Jack Wilshire always didn't used to be my marker? I think right, like, yeah. maybe he's a year old, a couple of years older than me, actually. I don't know. But like, yeah, I was so I was when Jack Wilshire was playing, I felt like I could still have a career, do you know what I mean? <laughs> 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 yeah. So definitely getting to the not that surrender of mine. Or do I, you know No, I'm not a Pepe. No. <laughs> well, in podcasting terms. Yeah, absolutely are. You know, you may be at the twilight of your football career, but, you know, very much at the dynamic end of uh, Portuguese football podcasting. Um, so, yeah, happy birthday to Barney. Um, um, as you say, good to be back after a little break. Um, a busy week of Premier League of football to cover, which we will do shortly. Firstly, though, a couple of quick announcements. Um, the exciting one, Barney, that we've just been discussing discussing off air and that a few people have been talking about today is uh, good news for all of our followers in the UK, Australia, New Zealand and uh, Scandinavia as well, I believe, as the Premier League of TV rights have been picked up by uh, Fight TV, uh, F-I-T-E TV, who, as far as I can tell, kind of specialised initially in like, well, Hence the name, sort of like combat sports and 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 sort of wrestling, basically, um, and have decided to sort of dip their toe into the world of football by picking up the uh, Premier League TV rights. I suppose there are some similarities between WWE and uh, Premier League of football, depending on which game you watch. Um, but that is good news. I think, I think we'll be signing up for that. Barney giving it a go. So, um, yeah, if you're in if you're in those territories, definitely consider it because uh, not only do you get a high quality stream than finding something illegal you get great commentary from uh Cole Murphy who we've had on the show before also Mark Rodden who does a uh, great commentary for the world feed so it's a definitely a, a different experience something we used to have with free sports uh not long ago when they covered games so it's a, a welcome return for uh televised Premier League games which is um which is exciting yeah um definitely consider it we're gonna I think we're gonna sign up and, and we'll let you know how it goes um but I think let's get stuck into it, Barney. Uh, the uh, the people have waited long enough for a discussion of Premier League of football. Um, and we're going to start, as we do so often, with Benfica. Um, Benfica went into the international break, it seems like a long time ago now, Barney, obviously riding high on the back of that win over Sporting. It was a really important win to move them level at the top of the table with, with Sporting. Um but clearly based on the evidence of not just this weekend's game in the league, but also um, a kind of disastrous result in the Champions League, really, where they went 3-0 up and then managed to throw away 
a three goal lead and, and only drew the game. Clearly their demons are are not behind them. Um in the build up to this game, uh Barney, we did say that Morans were a very interesting team. They could cause Benfica a lot of problems, but I still had Benfica as as big favourites uh to win this game. They did dominate possession, they dominated the amount of chances created, but it's maybe tell me if I'm being too oversimplistic, but they, they couldn't put a ball in the back of the net. No, they couldn't. Um, they were with Casper Tengstead up front for this game. Um, a player who's slowly, well, had a few opportunities in the slip and popped up with a few goals recently, but has never looked as a convincing um, spearhead to that attack. Peter Moose has, in my eyes, has been the best, but um, wasn't for this game. And Africa Brow has been the the f- disappointment that he, that he has been. Um, it was interesting hearing you talk there about this sort of their their performance in Europe and also how they did so well against Porto. I feel like the the momentum Benfica have had this season. It felt very much like at the beginning of the season. I think this is mainly due to the fact that they sort of they won the transfer and right? they had such an incredible transfer and they were so excited about all these signings. Um, with all the, um, and that sort of carried them through at the beginning, but then they've just seemed to have. Complete, they keep faltering. You know, they, they had that win against Porto, they followed up with a draw against Morans, the other win against Sporting, and they followed up with the, the draw against Casapia. You know, and then, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're losing leads as well, like the Champions League, like as a prime example, as you mentioned, three goals up, and then it's to, to, to come back to three all, and that, that's been a very disappointing tournament for them. So I think they're in a really, it feels like they're in a really bad situation right now, particularly Roger Smith, and I feel there's a lot coming down on him. Um, for me, the story of this game was um, the well. I saw a statistic about his substitutions. Right, Roger Smith. Most the majority of his substitutions come after the seventy fifth minute. I think nineteen of his substitutions this season have come after the eighty fifth minute. Right, which clearly shows for me. Well, two things. First of all, this is a manager who has a vision of a game plan and the starting eleven, and he sticks with it, and he, he trusts that eleven to, to do the job. But what was interesting in this game is that he changed the midfield at half time, took off took off that double pivot of Florentino and Jarnets and brought on a uh, Shaquino and Koshu. And for, for good reason. They, they you know they were they were struggling with the board despite all this possession that you know they I think for the first time in Roger Smith's era Benfica, this was the game where they lost uh, they had a hundred more than a hundred failed passes, right? Which is is not good. And, and you know, look at Florentino he, that's not his game, you know. He's he's he, he destructs play, he picks up the ball. Sharon Neves, as well as great as he's been this season, is also another one who I think he's better on the one one v ones, the duels, that the you know the the tenacity, you know, his passing of the game. And when you've got Shaquino and Kosha on the bench, who arguably both of those are better passers than the the two I've mentioned. I don't know. It's, uh, I've said a lot, but I think it goes back to something I think I discussed at the beginning of the season, which was Roger Smith's team selection and this wealth of options that he's got and this wealth of talent. It's getting the just getting the starting eleven right for the game ahead of you. And I don't, he just certainly didn't do this for the Warriors game. I think he left it too late. Bringing you know he should have started with Koshi, should have started with to sort of try to break down that Warriors defense, who were always going to be tough at home. And I think. There's been several games in, throughout the season where, yeah, he hasn't got it right. And as I as I said at the beginning, that he's not going to change in mid game. You know, he, he's just he seems to be like a stubborn manager. And I think that's what what happened in this game and what's happened a few times with Benfica this season. 
Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. It was interesting. I mean, interesting state of affairs at Benfica because I thought I thought Shaquinho was better than Kochu when he when they both came on. To be honest with you, I think that's a um, interesting indictment on on one of their marquee signings, who has been good in patches this season. To be fair to Kochu, um, to counteract that point, I think I, I will put a little bit of onus on on the players as well, though. It's not just not just Roger Schmidt because. I thought, you know, Benfica's whole problem was that they, they for me, weren't creating quality chances at any point during the game. All really looked like creating quality chances. Um, I don't think they were creative enough by any means. I think too often the chances were coming from shots outside the box or just kind of basic crosses into the area from wide or set pieces, corners, where the ball was kind of floated into the box. Um, I, I just wonder whether the chances could, could have been could have been cleverer. Maybe they're lacking a bit of spark. You know, where were they working the ball into the box? Can they, instead of just getting the ball to the byline, cutting in and uh, crossing the ball in? Sorry, can they can they work the ball into the box? Can they cut back? Can they find a little reverse ball somewhere? Um, for me, that was the kind of spark that was that was missing. And the one time that they did do that, well, I thought was the um, was the the goal that they they scored. Obviously, it was ruled out for offside, but that was an example of. For me, good play, good ball over the top, searching ball, and uh, you know, um, is it Alzheimer's who had the kind of who had the, you know, the the sense to to just go for the the reverse pass for the cutback and created a goal scoring chance. Obviously, ruled out for offside. Both teams worth mentioning. Both teams had a goal ruled out for offside in this game. But yeah, I just think like there, there, there was no there was no inspiring football in this game from Benfica. It was all quite lackluster, um, all quite timid really quite uninspiring um that was how i saw the game the game anyway yeah just on that point Albert, i think you know ours is ours has had a good game in, once again in, in this match and that, uh, with him fitting at right back you know he's still on that left back and previously that midfield etc but the, the and the in the left back position for this game was Morata, right and they certainly lose something going forward with playing him in that and Schmitz, in that decision, is for me, as, as he's done with Alsons, I think, is, is, is someone he can rely on perhaps defensively to do the defensive work, right? But you've got a player at Eurosec, and I, I know he hasn't had a great start to his Benfica career, but Eurosec is a player who, if you play him at left-back, you will get more funding going forward than you would with Morato. Mm-hmm. Undoubtedly. And that, and, and that decision is, you know... Is, is where I, that decision from Schmitz is where I think it, it's letting the team down because the, the I'm finding it very hard working out um, who a Rui Costa signing is and who a Roger Schmidt signing is because instinctively I feel like there's been a lot of players brought in that I would have pinned down to a player Roger Schmidt might have been aware of from his pre- previous 10 years of managers um, at Alba Clubs. And it, it just feels like the the pieces that have been brought into this season haven't on fitting. And, and I don't understand where that where that breaks down, if it's Rui Costa or if it's Roger Smith's decision. But like what... There's real issues now, and and because Schmidt clearly doesn't trust certain players, players that Benfica spent a fair bit of money on. Let's not forget, was it 14 million for Eurosec? Mm. God knows, I forgot how much faster Brown, but significant amounts of money, and these players aren't being trusted to perform. Um, another player who I was sort of desperate to see, but we, you know we're not seeing is um, Thiago Guevara, right? Uh, who mm. I think centre back Jao Victor came on towards the end when they needed the goal, and Thiago Guevara sitting on the bench like, what, what, what can he do? Because he's the sort of player who could make something happen. One hundred percent. And do you know what? It's also about the fact that they've got there's the, the 
the the team is so homogenous. There's so many of the same types of players on the pitch at the same time. You know, on the pitch at, at the same time, they have uh, Algen is playing left wing. They have Joao Mario playing attacking midfield, and then they have Kochu and and Shikinio on the pitch at the same time. That's four players who are basically central midfielders filling in, in in four different positions. I think that's a problem. I think the defense is 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 similar in the sense that they're basically playing three or four centre backs on the pitch at the same time, and I think they do struggle through not having a a proper focal point up front. Um, Gonzalo Ramos was that, I think, despite not being the perfect all-round player, he was much more of that of a focal point up front than Tangstead and, and Cabral is. So it is, I mean, look, Benfica is a fascinating case um, at the moment, just, you know, in terms of what what is going on. But it, there's there's a lot of issues and I think, you know, they're missing David Neres. And I think if when they haven't got him, Thiago Gouveia would be a great wildcard option to put in just dynamism, attacking intent, you know, someone who who thinks differently to the other players that are already on the pitch. And as as much as Angel Di Maria's got the quality, um, perhaps he's not got the explosiveness that he, he used to have. So he's not offering that. And I just think, you know, they need a spark. They need an injection of attacking intent uh, on the pitch if they, they're going to start, start playing better. I was trying to think of an analogy to make a really succinct point, but I, I can't get it quite right I, I i think the the overall point i'm trying to make out is that it seems like you've got roger smith's square holes and you've got <laughs> being filled with round pegs and roger smith just needs to change his hole to a round hole do you see what i mean because <laughs> there, there's you know there's abundance of talents in this team and have, there's players being not utilized correctly i think you know you've got play article Rao could easily be doing a better job up front than after takes um casper takes in, in, in a different system where he's he's being fed balls he's playing as, a, as an out and out nine you know that that that's the solution that that's something you could change but it seems like roger smith just seems very reluctant to change his system and then sort of try and fit players in where he can to to get the you know as close to a system as he can as he wants yeah and just to round up i think that goes back to what you're saying about roger schmidt signings Rui costa signings and where does to cover I'll fit into into all of that very interesting um we spent way too long talking about Benfica when I think we you know deserve to talk about more ends and I think the biggest compliment I can pay them is that watching this game it felt like um a very even game between two very evenly matched teams and I I think that is a compliment towards more ends given the golfing uh quality between the two sides I know I know that we have spoken um, quite a lot about what good season they are having. Um, they're unbeaten in the league since September. I think that's fantastic. Um, they lost two consecutive games at the beginning of the season against Braga and Sporting. But since then, they've won five and drawn one. And now this draw at home against Benfica, which in itself is a really, really valuable result. But it just continues an excellent start to the season for them. Um, and they had a few chances of their own in this game. Like I said, they also had a goal ruled out for offside. They had a few really good chances that they created on the counter-attack. Um, perhaps on a different day, this would have been an even bigger upset. But um, nonetheless, definitely a result for them to be proud of. Yeah, I think the manager, Rui Borges, has just um, had a contract extended to 2026. And let's not forget that he's he, he only came in in July of this year. You know, um, I've forgotten the previous manager. Sorry, but that you know, she all but got them promotion, and then they, they decided to make that managerial change. Um, and Rui Borges just came in, saw them seal promotion, and and then yeah, doing a, an amazing job in this league. Um, it's not just momentum. I think I, I think quite often I, I put I put a 
promote team success down to to that. It's sort of you know coming up having being used to winning. There's a really good team there, you know, and and to manage a game like this, which was always going to be difficult, and keep themselves in it, and like you said, could have could have come away with three points. You know, that's a sign of a well-run team, uh, you know, with a good 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 squad and good manager. And they're having an excellent season. I've got, I know I shout them out quite often, but I, I thought Salo Franco once again had a really impressive performance in midfield. You know, think about, you know, Benfica had to use all four of their central midfield options, and that, you know, Salo Franco's just there doing an excellent job. Um, I really, really like him. I, I like a lot of players, but for me, I think he's, yeah, I'm starting to feel like he's got something about and could see a lot more of him. Yeah, every week we say it, Barney, I think, but, you know, Keep an eye on Moro ends, you know, they're always worth a watch, whatever game they're playing. It's uh it's usually entertaining. Um well let's move on. Talk about sporting. I think it makes a lot of sense to talk about them next because of course they are the team that took advantage of Benfica dropping points to once again make themselves solitary leaders at the top of the table. Uh, and that was thanks to a three one win over Gil Vicente. Playing Gil Vicente at home, Barney, currently the easiest game in football. They've lost every away game they've played so far this season. For a moment, though, looked like it might not all go to plan. Gil Vicente take an unlikely lead after Sporting's uh, first goal was ruled out. But then, of course, uh, two goals from the main man, Victor Jokerez. Um And how are we going to call this on, Barney? I'm, I'm, I'm calling it a Nuno Santos-assisted own goal, um, which gave spoiling a comfortable lead listen if we're being honest this could have been this could have been a lot more than three goals yeah this was um as you said playing away from home is, is <laughs> an easy three points they, they're not they're in a really um bad situation not, not bad yeah they're in a weird situation I'm just saying if you didn't have Victor Jokerez as your fantasy team captain this week you, you're just you know you're confused <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was um but look this is an in, in particular, you know, considering the Benfica result, this was a this was a great a great game for Sporting to have to continue their momentum. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. At one point, I was going to try and find some interesting stats for Jokerez, but you know, I saw someone forgive me, I I, I, I can't remember uh, who it was because it was a great point, and I really agreed with it. Um, I saw it on Twitter, um, but someone said they don't remember seeing a striker. You know, the last striker they could sort of draw parallels to to coming in and making such an impact in the lead was when Falcao came and he, and I think Jokeres has beaten his Falcao scoring record for 12, 12 games at the start you know since the start of the season so he's he's just absolutely fine phenomenal and uh, uh, uh yeah really benefiting do you know what I think my only the only thing I it's not a criticism the only thing I feel that's not working in, in if I if I'm nitpicking is I feel like Pedro Gonzalez I feel like every week's there for him to to be better with playing with Jokeres, but he just doesn't seem to really. Marcus Ozil, on the other hand, is is thriving on playing alongside him. But that's you know, I I just can't stop thinking about Pedro Gonzalez because it just feels. I felt like this was Sporting's best eleven, strongest team, great. Um, and Pedro Gonzalez was the only player that I felt just wasn't quite at the same level, and 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 I've had that feeling for quite a few times this season. I. Maybe there's a position for him that in in a better a different system where he would better I don't know if it was like two two man striking partners or something like that and they went four four two I don't know but that's the only thing I can sort of think of it and I I, I can't look it out I would just I would have just guessed that he would have absolutely thrived playing alongside Jokic with all his movement the way he brings people to play you know it's absolutely phenomenal the job he does leading that line and yeah it's just 
Pedro Gonzalez was just there not not capitalising on it I don't know Pedro Gonzalez got an assist for Jacques in this game Marcus Edwards didn't you know maybe he'd uh, say it's going better than you think no but you, you are right because in terms of in terms of performance level they are they are on a different level you know we have players like this in the league every now and again don't we uh, we've had Luis Diaz, Darwin Nunes in recent years, Bruno Fernandes, if you go back a bit further, just players who are on a different level. Like he looks head and shoulders above um, every other player on the pitch when he plays at a moment with Jokerez. And um, if I'm being harsh, Barney, I feel like he could have stayed on side a little bit better a couple of times. Then he would have had, you know, one or two more goals. That's the only thing I'm going to say. Um, no, but he's playing really well. Physicality, pace, strength, decision-making. I think that's an underrated attribute of his. Um, he times the shot really well, which I like. Um, he links up really well with Marcus Edwards. Uh, he he links up well with Polino as well at times, and obviously Polino came in off the bench, so it's slightly different. I think um, Polino had a bit of a frustrating game when he came on, perhaps because he felt the game was already won, and there was one or two decisions I think he got wrong where they could have they could have created a goal scoring chance when he sort of just delayed. Um, but so a lot of positives for, for for Sporting, but the two big ones are. Jokeres and Marcus Edwards and you know Edwards another one playing at such a high level for me the best football of his career um, undoubtedly um, most consistent uh, and highest level of football that we've seen from him in Portugal undoubtedly so look it's um, at the moment it's all looking pretty good things going very well yeah and I also wanted to shout Quartes as well um, I think in this game that that's brought paid tribute to the fact that he's become the um the foreign of the most appearances for sporting. I think he's overtaken, mm. I can't remember who he's overtaken, but it's 344, something like that. Mm. Like a, a great achievement. And also, do you know, on that, there were moments at the beginning of the season and perhaps the end of last season where I felt like we could see Coretta's phased out the team, you know, mm. with the, you know, the, uh, St. Just obviously with the signing and Diamandis come on leaps and bounds. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for sort of cementing himself back in that starting eleven. Um, he 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 has a, re- a great run of games, I would say, and he looks you know um, really good again. So I think he's yeah. He, maybe I was too quick to write him off earlier in the season, but he's uh, yeah. He's um, just wanted to give him a bit of a shout for that achievement. I think uh, Nuno Santos taking a shot with his right foot possibly deserves uh, some plaudits as well. Although he he didn't get given the goal. Um, listen, Gilverson, um a few positive moments in some senses. I think obviously the goal was a, was a positive, good uh, good set-piece delivery uh, and a good goal. Um, one or two sort of encouraging last-ditch tackles. But listen, the game's a bit of a write-off, really, and we can't really judge them on this too well, other than the fact that they've seriously got to sort out this away form because it's, 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 it's unreal. They've lost every away game this season. Yeah, if anybody doesn't already, um, Gilles Cassent Info on Twitter is an excellent follow for anything about Gilles Cassent. They put out a really succinct tweet that sort of summed up their their season. You know, five games about winning now, 14 goals conceded in the last five games, no clean sheet, no points away from home, and they're one point above the relegation spot and two points above the last place now. Um, there's no excuses for this performance, and the games against the top five are over. Time to show work. So, mm. um, it... it they're they're just for me, Albert. It's they've they've scored a lot of goals, right? And they've they've <laughs> and have some good players. Um, I I think Victor Campanas was bold trying to fit in Mario Fujimoto, Korea, and Dominguez into that midfield, and it's because he had Dominguez playing further back alongside thirty-five-year-old Tibia, 
Um, and it just felt like that wasn't enough yeah. protection on the back line. And, and, um, and, and maybe this is unfair. Maybe this is like looking too far back because this, you know, it's a new season and now we've got new managers as well. But it just seems to be that there's, there's huge holes in this team um, in, in, left by Thomas Rojo and Vita Cavalier, right? In the CDM and centre back. Mm. And they haven't they haven't addressed those positions at all. And it just feels like there's no protection. There's, there's the defence is weak. I mean, Ruben Fernandez, 37 year old, we've got the goal, is, is by far and their best centre back and their other options mm. are just to be blunt, nobody's right. They're just they're they're really yeah. lacking. So I think there's there's a real issue with their their squad and and then Vita Cambellas can be that man to fix it, we'll have to see. But um uh yeah, it just they just seem seem weak in the, in those two key positions and then uh, it's hard to build on that, although they do have an excellent attack. Yeah, I mean I think they can take some positives on the fact that they have had good performances this season at home at some points and they know that they have got talented players. But, you know, with, you know, they'll be looking at over their shoulder at teams like Estoril um, and those other teams, uh, Aruka getting a win, which are going to come on to those kind of teams putting points on the board and, and, and climbing slowly up the table. Um, they're going to be looking over their shoulder at those kind of teams, catching them up, um, which is not what they want at all. Um all right, let's do last of the big three, Barney Porto, who again also took advantage of Benfica's loss. They closed the gap on second place uh, to just two points with an important 3 0 win away at Family Cow. Um, for me, Barney Porto seems to be having a lot of these types of games recently. This game reminded me very much of their last game against Vittorio, anyway. Um, actually, quite an even game where you feel like the opposition, in this case, Family Cow. Um, are playing very well. Porto are, are okay. They're, they're in the game, not particularly um, lighting things up. And then Porto find themselves two, two, two goals up by halftime, as they did in this game. Two chances, two goals. Um, takes the wind out of Family Cow's sale. They get a red card in the second half and then Porto kill the game off with um, a free, a third goal. And it's a big three points. And it's interesting, in my opinion, to contrast Porto and Benfica at the moment. Two teams... Uh, perhaps not at their best, um, but crucially, Barney, Porto putting the ball in the back of the net and putting points on the table. Yeah, maybe this is, you know, maybe this is a an example of Porto's season, right? It's that they've, like you said, they've had quite a lot of games like this. And when those games have been relying on a late winner, we've we've really criticised mm. them. But when a game's been won by three goals, you know, it's... it's you know, which could so easily have happened in many of those other games, you know, were enough for great goalkeeping or a bit of un- uh, being unlucky. You know, we, we could be talking about pauses so differently, and, and especially considering that, you know, the fact they're still in a, in the Champions League to, to go through to the next round, it's in, it's in their hands. Um, it, yeah, it's... I, 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 and I'm going to have to eat my words what I said at the beginning of the season, because <laughs> I've been, I've been on a bit journey with Taremi, haven't I? And that, in fact that I, I said <laughs> was we all... the most important summer signing sense that they kept in and then a few weeks later I think they were saying they should have sold him. Um but I th- I think it's really interesting with the consistency, right? And then then Contrasal himself has come out this week and said the yeah, Tammy Taremi will be playing. We've seen Evan Nielsen trusted as well consistently and and that consistency I feel is starting to pay off. You know, we've had goals in the Champions League and now the league they're starting to get a couple and and it I I feel like that could have been that could be a good decision right because 
Evan Ilson is at his best when he's playing alongside Taremi. And even when Taremi <laughs> hasn't been at his best, you know, to keep him in the team as conscious as has, I could... I'm, I'm seeing similarities to when Moussa Marega was uh, at the end of his contract, right? And the fact mm. that he always... Yeah. He can, he stayed in that team and and, and he, he paid back the favour and he got some goals and then it was only, only at the end of the season that Terry Marston started to come in. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think as Chris Cole, if I have been of course, this season, I think conscious house stubbornness, let's say, <laughs> is, is starting to pay off. And uh, particularly in that forward line, I think, you know, I think Evan Nelson is coming into a good bit of form. Um, and, and and as is Tarami. So, yeah. Yeah, look, if he can get Tarami back scoring, that's, that's going to be really important. Important to remember for everyone, there is still over 20 games of the season left. I mean, you know, if many Tarami can, can get sort of up to 15 goals for the season by the end of the last game. That will be a very decent return. Um, as you say, Evan Ocean, really good goal from Evan Ocean, actually. Really good finish. Um, the only, you know, good news, Evan Ocean and, and Taremi are scoring. Everyone's happy about that, except Fran Navarro, who, the poor guy, can't get a game for love nor money. And now it looks like uh, the other strikers are scoring again. Um, they also play with a new figure at left-back, Barney, a, a known problem position as Raul Mendes came in. I thought he did a very good job and I think it, you know, obviously it would be good if someone could emerge as a, a new challenger in that position because it's a position that's been a bit stagnant for a while now. Yeah, I thought he had a good game. He looked quite good going forward. Um, he's 23 years old, isn't he? So he's, he's come from the B team. I couldn't remember, Albert. I saw that he signed from Victoria uh, two years ago and I couldn't remember if he was that suspicious yeah, transfer. Yeah, £20 activity. million pound transfer. Yeah, swap. Yeah. yeah, if he was that guy. But no, look, I think he, yeah, like you said, he had a good game. And um, yeah, if that's a player that Conscious Al can bring through and trust, because um, that left left back position sort of fell up for grabs for a while now, hasn't it? And 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 uh, you know we've seen we have let's not forget you know, Conscious Al has is, is the manager who I did bring through Vitinha and Fabio Vieira. So Jao Mendes is a player who who can can start to see more game time. That would be great for him. Um, I also want to talk about midfield hour because I know a few weeks ago I was questioning the the, the, the Varela and Stacchio partnership and mm. I was calling for Nico Gonzalez. I actually felt in this game, you know, that midfield is what really helped them in this game. You know, Zaidu Yusuf and Topic have been quite good for Family Cow, but they didn't, you know, they they couldn't win their, that battle between those two. I thought Varela and Stacchio are really good. Um, um, yeah, they they had the, they had a good game and that partnership. I think you you, you said a few weeks ago it's, it's starting to look really good. And uh, mm. yeah. Verena particularly yeah, been a, proved to be a, a, a good signing. He's been solid. Although Yustakio obviously was a, a figure of controversy in the game. Um, there were question marks about whether Family Cow should have been given a penalty. The footage is out there for uh, the listeners to go and, and, and look at and make up their own decisions. Um, it wasn't given. Um, and I think, to be honest, about it, if, if I was Family Cow, I'd be, I'd be big. I would be a bit gutted with this result, to be honest, because I think they they went into this game with absolutely the right attitude they threw everything into the game um it was a genuinely really good watch because of how positive uh family cow were and they they did their best to cause porto problems especially in the first half obviously the red card about an hour in killed the game off somewhat but for that first hour of the game um i thought they were excellent they've got one big problem though barney which is that the chances created were there but they really, really lacked finishing. Quite a telling stat. They had 16 shots total in this game. That's seven more shots than Porto total. 
they had one shot on target all game from 16 shots. Bearing in mind, Porto had, I think, six shots on target from seven shots, something like that. So, yeah, you don't you don't really want to point fingers if you're being harsh. I think Cadiz up front had a poor game because he was the one, you know, tasked with making the most of some of those chances, and I thought he wasn't he wasn't amazing. But look, that was the difference between these two sides. One team took their chances, the other didn't. Porto scored three goals from something like five six shots on target, and 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 um, Family Cal got nothing from sixteen shots and and, and a lot of possession and, and a lot of attacking opportunities themselves. That you know, credit to them that they made for themselves. Yeah, I thought Cadiz was an interesting decision. You know, particularly can come up against Pepe and Cardoso. You know, that's exactly the sort of striker that they did reddish playing mm-hmm. against. You know, and you've got Henry Garujo from on, on, on from Benfica who hasn't been used as much like perhaps before he would have for Family Cal, but that he's a sort of different striker who might be able to. Called a few more problems to that Porto centre back partnership. I thought Puma had an excellent game on the wing. Mm. Uh, you know, another good performance. Gustavo Star as well. It's nice to see him sort of getting a run of games in the starting eleven. Um, obviously, all they wanted to do um, to to make anything. But um, yeah, no, I think you're right, Albert. I think Family Cow. You know, they 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 are having a great season themselves. Um, really good season. And I I thought I instinctually I thought this game was going to be a bit closer than it than it was, but. I guess that's the thing with the big teams is when you when you go down a, a goal or two early on, it's it's you know your game plan has to change, and I think most teams probably go into games against the big three with a sort of keep it, let's try and get to half time and then and, and nick a goal rather than mm-hmm. trying to claw back two goals and, and you know you've got to suddenly play a, a different way. So yeah, yeah that, that that didn't help me. I think that you know the scoreline probably doesn't reflect how well they played. I think maybe a. A two-one would have been a bit fairer, but um, listen, they got they've got to learn to finish if they want to if they want to take their chances in big games like this. Um, let's talk about Braga Barney, who played Estoril in, in my opinion, possibly the most predictable game all season. If anyone didn't have this down as a Braga win with both teams to score, then I think you're living under a rock. Both teams. Very good attacking talent, well documented, but both teams quite shaky at the back. We got exactly what we expected. Braga ran out 3-1 victors in a game which, how can you put it, was very open, to say the least. Yeah, um, it, it didn't surprise me at all. I mean, I, I saw um, that um, Rafi Gaitan had scored and I, I, um, I, wasn't, I didn't think that was... That it for Braga. I, I very much suspect them to come back with a few goals, and they, and they absolutely yeah. did. And um, I think Pitsy's back heel for Ricardo Water uh, was was perhaps the pick of the bunch. Outrageous. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I think Pitsy being that starting eleven, you know, it's just made me think a little bit about. Uh, I feel, you know, Bruma was on the bench, and then uh, that was the change, if you will. Um, and I feel like Broom's performances hasn't... I think he had such a good start to the season and I feel like he just hasn't properly kicked on. So the fact that uh, George is able to make that change and whether that's to keep him fresh for the Champions League or if that's to sort of give him a kick up the arse, you know, that's that's a nice option to have. And, and Pitsy is, to be fair to him, generally performed pretty well when, when playing for mm-hmm. Braga this season. So that's that's been a, a, a good signing to bring him in. Um, Banz as well. I mean, we've, we've been raving about Jokeres. Banz is getting a nice return of goals this season. Uh, I think more goals than your in less minutes and obviously a different player um, and it's nice that, that that seems to be working right everything would instinctively would have felt like Abu Ruiz was 
you know, we always said how how good he was at playing with those those attacking players behind him and bringing them into play. But Banza's still working with Banza, and that's 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 really good for Braga. And um, he, if he can maintain, uh, keep himself in that starting level, he could be finishing the season with a really healthy goal. Um, mm. uh, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoy. I've, I've been enjoying his performance recently. Yeah, I think that's one one criticism we've we've had of Banza over the sort of last year he was at, at Braga and the year he was at Family Cow is that he can score a lot of goals, but he seemed to be quite a patchy goal scorer. But obviously he's the league's top scorer now and, and, and he's scoring on a consistent basis. So I think that's a really, really important development in his game, which is going to elevate him from, you know, sort of a promising or interesting player to a genuinely great player, which is good to see. Um, so good goal from him. Uh, good goal from Ricardo Horta, of course. Um, Victor Gomez popped up with one, which although I think it probably went down as an own goal, um, like you, of course, the 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 back heel from Pitsy for Ricardo Horta's goal was, I think that's the highlight of the weekend in terms of goals. Brilliant little goal that. Um, Estoril's goal though, Barney, came from a, a very good move. And for me, I think a very good understanding of how the game was going to go by by their manager and, and by the team. Um, they knew Braga would commit men forward. They knew the team would be stretched. Um, they knew that defensively Braga have not been at their best recently. Um, they knew there'd be opportunities on the counter-attack. And it was a really great move. Two forward passes. Um two key passes. The first, I thought, a really brave, positive pass. Um, they broke down a Braga attack and it's uh, Estriel defender who takes on not an easy ball, you know, through the midfield, um, but he pulls it off and and sets Braga up, excuse me, sets Estriel up with not just a one-on-one for Rafik Gaitan, but really it was a three-on-one in terms of, you know, the options that Gaitan had over to his left with just one Braga defender um, lovely finish from the Frenchman. A lot of people talking about Rafik Gaitan this season. More and more buzz building around Rafik Gaitan. I think that's a name you're going to hear more and more in this podcast. You're going to see it more on Twitter. People talking about great players outside of, of the top three. Um, so that was a positive, but of course, it was the only goal they got in the game. And, and, and they did concede three, kind of what I expected. You know, maybe they would have hoped perhaps to defend a little bit better, but... Um, uh, a decent effort from from Estro anyway. Yeah, I felt in a weird way. I felt like Rodrigo Rodrigo Gomes' uh, absence was felt right, and obviously he's on loan from Braga, so wasn't eligible to play for them. Um, Pina was pl- uh, feeling that uh, right wing back, but I just felt like, as you mentioned, Braga were there to be attacked to that back line, and with Rodrigo Gomes and Arujo on the other side, I felt like that those were they could have been a lot more dangerous than back to their usual self. Um, uh, and, and perhaps might have gone with a few a few more goals. Um, I, I, I think Gaitan and and, and Jordan Hollisgrove, who I think was credited with the assist for the goal. Um, I did. I just felt like they're they're two great they're two players who would absolutely walk right into this Braga team and just fit the system so well. I imagine them playing, you know, Hollisgrove in that midfield and Gaitan on one of the wings. It just feels like I could imagine them just fitting seamlessly yeah. at Braga. Um, so yeah, I think. They, they've they, they've both consistently shown quality this season. I think if perhaps if you're looking at sort of um, elsewhere on that pitch, Alejandro Marquez and Jean Marquez, who had such a good start to the season, just both haven't quite been as consistent. Um, they, you know, they, they've formed sort of up and down. So um, 
that will obviously if they if they can prove that then they'll be in a better place. But um, yeah, it was a, a yeah. I, I think uh, we've got a lot more still to see restaurant. You know, mm. um, I, I think they'll they'll, they'll they'll certainly improve. But um, yeah, good a good win for Braga as you said. Um, right, I think we've got time for a couple more games uh, from outside the top four. Um, and it gives me great pleasure, Barney, to uh, talk about a team that we love talking about too so much. Uh, Aruka, who... Um, talk about a new manager bounce, Barney. So uh, Aruka, as it's well publicised, hadn't won uh, in 10 league games and, and were bottom of the table um when they brought in new manager Daniel Souza. If you remember Daniel Souza, he managed Gilles Vicent for a period last season and, and did some good work with Gilles Vicent. He's now managed two games for Aruka, one in the cup and one in the league, and he won both games. Incidentally, both of those games were against Bovista. Um but this was a hugely impressive win as they won four nil away from home they were 3-0 up at half time they even got a player sent off in the second half and still went on to score um another goal um i can i can almost see the listeners rolling their eyes uh because they know how much we love talking about aruka um but listen we've seen we've seen the potential that this group of players has and it was it was great to see them them winning again and playing again as as well as as we know they can. Two goals for Christo, one goal for Rafa Mahika, and, and one goal for Jason. And um, it couldn't have gone any better for Aruka, really. Oh, and um, you know that's with a kind of they were three up and then still losing a man just after half time. You know to see see the game through as they did. It was a really good performance. Um, I think one thing on Aruka's side because we were. We were, quite, we were pretty confident with them at the beginning of the season, you know, mm. considering that the majority of their squad still together. Um, they were they they've been the team. Well, I think before this game, they were the team um, underperforming the XG the most in the league, right? So, which did imply that there was there was hope. You know, there was there was they're perhaps getting a little unlucky in games. Um, you know, Mujik and Gonzalez are great strikers, and, and when they get chances, they they perhaps hadn't been putting away, but in guess this game they actually did. Um, so I think yeah, there, there was I was all I'm, I'm I felt like that this is a this was a fair result for them and, and, it, and it sort of signifies the direction I think they could go. They're they're certainly strong in attacking midfield, obviously, and I and Michik and Gonzalez uh, wouldn't be surprising Gonzalez gets quite a few this season. And and then Jason, the the, the number ten. Uh, yeah, I think he's been a spot sign. I think when he arrived from Spain, that you know, some people said he's a bit of a hit and miss player, but I think he's he's shown real glimpses of quality. Um, so this was a uh, yeah, fantastic for his look for Rook, and I expect to see a few more wins with him coming up. Mm, absolutely, I agree, and and I think it, what's so important is it's so important for these players to score again and to get their confidence back because I think they were still putting up him, but you know, when you lose so many games as as they had, your confidence takes a huge hit. Um, we saw how when how well Daniel Souza did in charge of Gilles Vicent um, in the early stages of, of his reign there last season. I think if he can do the same for Aruka, um, then they they could really get their season back on track. And I think it's it's important to have a quick look at their sort of upcoming games. Next few games for Aruka are massive, Barney. Rio Abbott at home, another team in in. Uh, the relegation battle. Then they've got Gilles Vicent at home. We've just been talking about, you know, what an opportunity it is to to get points when you're playing Gilles Vicent at home because they can't win away. And then Estrella away. 
a bit tougher, but that's their last three games of, of 2023. I think if I was in that in that dressing room, I would be targeting three wins from Re- three after that performance against Burvish. I'd be I'd be ambitious. And I would say, let's get ourselves out of trouble, out of the relegation battle before the start of 2024, and then, and then see where we can um, see where we can kick on from there. Um, I think. Listen, we've got to talk about Bovista. It is alarming how dramatically the performance levels have dropped for Bovista. Um, because they weren't just bad in this game; they were absolutely dreadful. They 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 handed this win. Over to Aruka with 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 almost no resistance. Um, they literally handed them the first goal on a plate. It was a terrible mistake from uh Chidozia Waziem. I have no idea what he's doing. He basically just passes the ball to an Aruka striker. Um, also really poor attempted save from the keeper, I have to say. They got ripped apart pretty much every attack. I thought the defending was was pathetic. The 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 defending from from the other centre back Ferreira for the third goal was pathetic weak defending as he tries to like shield the ball back to his keeper does a really poor job gets robbed by um was that Mexico or Christ I can't remember but then he's trying to appeal to the ref for a foul embarrassing not a single player with any credit to their name in this game for me I think you know it is alarming how they're playing at the moment it's alarming yeah, well, there's players out of positions in there. I mean, you've got Salvador Agro right back, Ferreira, as you mentioned, I think he's naturally a left back. Um, or was he? Um, <laughs> I feel like in my memory, he's done that before, not necessarily <laughs> somewhere else. He's got that, you know. I think, I think he was a pretty good defender, but I, I yeah, I feel like that, that there is a mistake like that. And then you've got to look at, you know, the, the they're so depleted, they're so um sparse with the amount of injuries they've got. And then for Tiago Moraes, arguably, they're best attacker this season to get a, a red card which is the second of the season already you know that's, that's mm. that just really doesn't help things um obviously there's a lot of things going on and uh, in the background of this club um a lot of very unsettling things i can imagine for some of those players you know where you have where do you find find that motivation but they did have that motivation at the start of the season and now things have got that bit harder it just seems like it's it's all falling apart very far too quickly um so yeah, there, there's there's real issues there, and um, I am Jen. I am starting to worry for them, and um, and imagine that you know if that that fall from grace from such an impressive start. Um, so yeah, I, I maybe I'm reading too much into the Mirai thing, but that's something that they really need to keep an eye on because th- th- those sort of things can really affect the season. Like I said, he's been so he's been so good when he's been on it, and you know some um, really impressive goals. And now they're going to be without him, and who they're going to bring in, you know, um, to to replace him? They've got like no, they've got nothing there. So yeah, mm. not good at all. No, I think this is this is really worrying times for 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 Bovista. Fifteen points now, so you know, um, Aruga who beat them are only six points behind them now. Barney, that's only two wins. That's two wins. You know, so I think this is uh, really worrying times for Bovista. But um, listen, maybe the January transfer window can be uh, can be a uh, a, the start of their recovery, perhaps, if they can hold on till then. Um, quickly then, so they can lose. <laughs> so they can lose players. <laughs> um, well, hopefully not. Uh, let, let, we got one time for one more game, Barney. If we do it quickly, I think um, because I do just want to touch on um, a smaller game that was tucked away on Friday night last week. That's Shavs versus uh, Vizela. 
which ended 2-1 to Shavs. Um, a really good game for any neutral observer, but perhaps not for Rosello, who I think will feel quite aggrieved by a very controversial penalty decision, which allowed Shavs back into the game. Uh, Vizella initially went 1-0 ahead through uh, French striker Samuel Ascend, who's uh, scored quite a few goals this season already. Looks like quite an interesting striker. But it was a penalty and a second-half goal, both from uh, Joe Batista, which gave Shavs a really important win. Only Shavs' third win of the season. It puts them on level points with Estoril, Rioav and Vizella, um, which is quite impressive considering the well-documented dreadful start to the season that they had. But very disappointing for Vizella, who who now slip into uh, second place from bottom. Yeah, I think um, to talk about Vizella quickly, I think Ascend is a really interesting side now. He's got yeah a fair few goals this season, um, and I don't know. I th- I think he's interesting because it seems I feel like Vizella perhaps over rely on getting the ball up to him. He's obviously a quite a big presence and. A, a target man, if you will, um, and and I just feel like Pablo, so Pablo Villa, the you know the young Spanish manager, is sort of a, a nobody when he arrived, who I think is doing all right, but it just seemed for me that their their strength at Vizela was their midfield. I and I, I always talk about Samu, um, La Cabra as well, who with it, with if you can see the the goals from this game, the assist for sending this one was absolutely lovely delightful little pass and you know they do have quality in there so although he's chipped him with a few goals I do wonder if a send is a sort of a, a vocal point that they don't actually need and they can be doing things differently um, sorry to bring in XG again but the Zeta are also a team that are drastically underperforming their, in their XG so you know I think that, that you know as you said they, they could have come away with more points in this game had they had they been able to finish um, Shabs are but I'm, I'm I don't know. I maybe I get <laughs> too excited about Moreno, but I, I I just like it. I like I like I like the way he's, he's gone straight to his three four three. The quality who I think got man of the match in this game at midfield. I, I I've liked a lot of the season. Really benefits from this formation, I think. Um, and uh, obviously Langer and then Carrasco getting a game at the right wing back that had a, had a decent game uh, for for Shab. So um, I, there's a yeah. I, I think this was a. Yeah, a, a great result for Shabs, certainly. And um which could have been a, I think this could have been a really tight game. Uh you know, it could have easily gone one way or the other, but it was good for Shabs to come away with three points. Yeah, I mean it, I think it was big for Shabs, also because I think um when Moreno came in, he got them their first points of the season, he got them their first wins of the season, and then they did struggle for a couple of games. So I think it was it's important for for, for Moreno to prove that, you know him coming in isn't a burst bubble, you know, and that those players are still capable of winning games and and, and uh, they've still got the fight and the determination, which they've always showed. Um, so it's good to see them obviously in a much better position than they were in the season. Vizela such, I mean, Vizela for me, Barney, um, this is the new team that I'm going to start telling people to look out for because I think their story is really interesting and the trajectory of their season is very interesting. I mean, if people aren't aware of the context around them, um, very small team, uh, promoted under Alvaro Pacheco, the kind of legendary cult figure there. They survive in the Primera Liga. They've got, you know, am- ambitions of, of of staying in and playing good football. They get new owners. They move on that legendary manager. And then they, now they've kind of appointed this young Spanish 
manager for his first ever senior managerial position, Pablo Villar. I think they've stuck by him for quite a long time, perhaps longer than others would. I don't know how much of that is, you know, a bit of pride. They 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 want to kind of show that their decision was the right one. Um, I wonder how far they will allow things to slip before they they perhaps pull the trigger. That's an interesting situation to keep keep an eye on. But there are one or two two positives, and I think um, Matthias Lacava, as you said, the twenty one year old Venezuelan winger. Uh, caught a few eyes in this game, and and I think they can they can take some comfort from the fact that they have got quality in the side. Um, I disagree on Ascend. I would keep Ascend up front because I think he's um a he's something that a lot of teams struggle for, and that's a a, a proven goal scorer in the league. So I would keep him in. I would sort of have him, Lacava, players like that in the side, and and as you say, hope that they. The, that XG stat that they're underperforming, hope that they can get that up and and hopefully win some more. But definitely, I think Vazella is the next team to sort of keep an eye on as as their as their season develops over over the next few games into into the new year. Um, all right, what well, we are, all right. Well, I think we're going to leave it there for uh, another episode of the Longball Football Podcast. Um, as all our long-term listeners will know, we like to end usually every episode with a game recommendation, but on that, we do just have a, uh, a a brief announcement to make, um, which is that we are going to be starting a bonus podcast, which is exclusive to our Longball Football Socios, uh, which you can join on Patreon for just £1 a month, uh, where not only will we, will we be discussing our game recommendations for next week, we'll actually be previewing all the weekend's action um, in a slightly shorter show, which will come out around Thursday or Friday once a week. Um, the first one of those will be dropping on Friday. So if you want to get that straight into your inbox, inbox, make sure you sign up to become a Longball Football Socio uh, over on our Patreon page. And just remind it is £1 a month. The link is in our description. Um, and it uh, really does give us a big helping hand, helping keep the uh, the lights on at Longball Football HQ. Um every little help so uh, yeah we appreciate all the support on there definitely go and check it out if you're interested just a reminder as always that if you did enjoy the show uh, you can leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts a star rating uh, on Spotify or even just consider sending the show to a friend if you want to get in contact with the show you can find us on Twitter at Football, uh, and on Instagram also at Football. but that just leaves me to say once again thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week yes yeah thank you